It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're... Friday night. Dot games. Dot games. So we are two (laughs) board game enthusiasts who want to immerse you into our love of the hobby by bringing you board game content every Friday in podcast form with our beautiful voices. We create for several platforms, including Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the internet, not TikTok, because I hate it. (laughs) What's the thing that came before internet? Oh, like... Cuneiform? Oh, like Telegram? (laughs) Sure, Telegram. <laughs> oh, yeah, we communicate in Telegram. <laughs> uh, and we are currently looking for advertisers. So if you would like to advertise your product or company on our podcast, send us an email at info at FridayNight.Games. I promise today- you, I promise you it will not be expensive. Promise. Hands down. On today's show, we are discussing what issues an indie game designer has when they come to the drawing board to create a new game. Today, we are joined by game developer... Alec Eston of Brick uh, Brack Games. Welcome, Woo! Alex. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been uh, quite the, a lifetime so far after we last <laughs> talked. You know what? It doesn't feel that long ago. So just in case anyone's wondering, Alex has been on the show previously, actually around the same time last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was right around Kickstarter launch for the Black Brick. So so yeah, it, it's basically almost been exactly a year. You know what, since... though? For me, it does not feel like that. Does anyone else? It really doesn't. Yeah. I, I honestly feels like three months ago, but that's just because we're in a time warp, I think. Oh, I feel like it was like two years ago. <laughs> really? So, there you go. <laughs> that's that just tells you that's like tells you what stress we're all under right like i'm like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> matt's been on vacation meanwhile john's going insane <laughs> basically <No. laughs> yes so alex tell us a little bit about yourself and bric-a-brac games you know, like where can we find you where can we buy what are you selling yeah yeah so bric-a-brac a, a self-described indie nano studio from philadelphia nano nano it's really tiny the tiniest it, it's studio. very tiny yes <laughs> it's it's less than micro it's basically what a bunch of like you know startup craft breweries call themselves you know nano brewery so we are a tiny tiny studio we're we're, we're rocking it out so yeah we can be found on instagram facebook twitter we do have a link tree at this point you can find us at brick brack games i guess we'll include a link somewhere in the post description text field whatever for this podcast off the link tree page we do have a direct link to the black bricks store page through game crafter that is available for sale right now we even on the link tree page included a link to our very first blog site so you can kind of see how everything started, which very humble beginnings, we'll put it that way. So we've got Black Brick up for sale right now. And hopefully in the next eight months, we'll be doing a proper surprise now available to buy announcement for uh, Agents of Evil. So we're very excited about that. Bit more of a lightweight game than Black Brick was, to be sure. And so far, feedback has been pretty positive. A lot of good ideas and suggestions coming in from our playtesters. So we've got that on the horizon. And then... Four Rings is also cranking through. Maybe we'll do a Kickstarter for that sometime early next year. So it's a lot of stuff going on for Brick Brack Games. Wow, that's awesome. That sounds you sound busy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really sleep a whole lot, apparently. Well, that's not good. You better sleep, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know how, 
don't drink coffee. That's number one, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, cool. So let's discuss some of your pain points with designing some of these games. So when initially coming up with a game idea, you do start with what components are needed, you know? If if so, you know, we're, we're all dying to know how many components <laughs> are too many. Yeah, yeah. So so for Black Brick, I feel like so like for me personally the black brick i kind of kind of almost had too many components but you know then you start looking at all the other, other tabletop dungeon crawlers in the, in the market and eh, black brick didn't have that many tokens compared to you know the big 20 pound box games i suppose i think like okay so people i don't know what people know about black brick but it has yeah. it has it has many classes like what 10 class yeah. 8 to 10 classes maybe even more maybe you have like... yeah six six classes 15 spells each right and then you know a bunch of like wound point tokens attract damage and plus uh, plus plus enemies right and then plus like you know different other components i mean when you think about it, yours is all card based so you know you have yeah. the cards in front of you a lot of these games these days like especially tabletop big tabletop games you know nemesis for instance has like mm-hmm. standees and like yep. you know tons of tokens and then the board is basically a whole another set of tokens yeah <laughs> right like it, sometimes you're mm-hmm. like wow there's there's a lot here yeah and nemesis was really interesting too because i really liked what they did with like the noise tokens mm-hmm. i feel like that that's definitely a gameplay hooks into the theme really well but you know part of my fear i guess is creating a game where we're gonna need 150 or 200 tokens just to do you know our standard gameplay and so it, it kind of terrifies me a little bit that you know maybe brick of brick just isn't at that point yet where right. we can't justify doing a gigantic standy sprawling rpg with hundreds of tokens but you know, I kind of have a moment of, of panic, I guess, when I open up a box and realize that, okay, there are maybe a couple of dozen you know, cards, but, oh, we've also got, you know, 150 tokens that we need to punch out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. John, can you agree with this? Do you got, like, a, a thought on this or what? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about – there was a game we got to review a while back, and I remember just having to, like, punch out, like – all the little tiles for like the entire game. I think it was like Zabarius or something like that. And yeah, I feel I felt like it took longer to punch out the components than it did to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> so so that would be your answer right there. You're like if if it uh, takes more time to punch out the components, it doesn't play the game. Then that is too many components. Yeah. Right? Or or even like even like Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. Like they had like a whole separate rule book on how to punch everything out, set every, put everything in the box. <laughs> what? <laughs> The, oh, yeah. what, what you mean like you're like oh hey uh i gotta like look through these well let me let me get the rules about how to set up how to how to punch out everything first it's like a whole it's like a whole textbook yeah. <laughs> you know, like page 165 well they said it was a lighter version of of the actual game but it was just it was just kind of funny because you have like all the stuff you have to punch out and it's like well these go in this bag that goes in this bag Wow, it, it, it was cool to have, but yeah, it took a while to to take everything out. Wow, dude. it's a little bit overwhelming too because it's just like I feel like the more components the game has or like tokens and stuff you got to punch out, I feel like the more complex the game would be. And I'm just more of like I'd rather play more of a casual game mm-hmm. anyway and just you know get to the point and just have our game night, right? 
but some people like those heavy games, right? So you say Gloomhaven is the one that has the most pieces. What about you, Alex? What do you think has the most pieces you ever played? Gloomhaven definitely ranks up there. Uh, I think by sheer virtue of it needing the, the size box that it has, and it's like a 20-pound game. Yeah, I, I would say in terms of the token totals, Gloomhaven ranks up there pretty high for, for me as well. I can't think of any big box tabletop game I've played in the past like 10 years that really came anywhere close to needing an actual like in-box organizer from a, a third party you know like <laughs> it, it, yeah it, it's a big big game i mean and it's it's totally worth playing it, it's a fantastic approach to a you know a tabletop you know dungeon crawler but it's a big game you know this actually brings up another point you know do you think that when a game has a ton of pieces you think that that demonstrates the game is more complicated maybe like we call this some sort of weight and maybe diverting a bit from this like how complicated do you want your game like do you think do you think the components add a complication or do you think they're there not to add that complication i think i i want to kind of give the benefit of the doubt in that tokens are included because they are perceived to be required for a specific gameplay element but at the same time I feel like if you have too many tokens, then it kind of starts diluting the importance of having the tokens in the first place. And so, you know, Black Brick, I guess, might be a good example in terms of like where I, you know, where I come from on this. The tokens in the Black Brick were all for very particular needs and uses. You know, we had hex tokens for status effects. We had modifier tokens for attribute uh, modifications, buffs, and, and debuffs. And then we had the damage tokens, and that's kind of it. And even for me, that kind of felt unwieldy at times and so i don't know i i think it depends on the game i don't know if there's one hard rule that i can apply across you know the industry mm-hmm. i think it depends on the game some games make really good use of a lot of tokens others feel completely bloated i guess like i like zombicide a lot for what it does but i remember feeling you know, token overkill basically in there when i've played it and so yeah, I wish there was an easy answer, but when it comes down to it, I think it depends on how the game uses its token spread. Okay, let's let's all do a little thought experiment here. So, gun to your head. I know that's a, that's a popular term my wife has termed because <laughs> she wants to put a gun to my head for some reason. But what do you think when you open a box with like a ton of components? John, go. Gun to your head. Gun to your head. Oh, I, uh, 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 <laughs> first of all, first uh, of all, John's thinking. <sighs> Uh, in Canada, guns are regulated. How does Matt get a gun? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, keep going. I just look at it, you know, how how long is this thing going to take me to set up? Mm-hmm. That's my that's my initial shot, my initial thought. And the second thought I have is, am I going to want to do this? <laughs> right. I definitely don't want to learn it, so that Matt's going to have to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just bring it to your house. And you're like, you take care of you're it. like, Matt, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> deal with this crap. It's in front of me right here. <laughs> Handle this. What about you, Alex? Gun to your head. Gun to your head. Go. Yeah, basically, you know, okay, there's more in this box than I thought there was going to be. Do I really have the time and energy to go through and punch out all these little, you know, chipboard tokens and then learn how to play the game? Is this going to be a two-nighter where I punch everything out the oh. first night? <laughs> 
and then go through everything the second you night and actually figure out how to play. Speaking my language right there. My <laughs> my thought I wrote down was why didn't I start reading the instructions earlier? <laughs> and why did John bring this on the day I'm supposed to play the game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, John? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just kidding. Um, we did have a very interesting experience a week ago when we were playing Batman the Animated Series adventure Ooh, game, yeah. which was pretty cool. It has a ton of minis, a ton of pieces. John, you could attest to this, right? Yes. <laughs> what <are> you... <laughs> I, I like these answers. <laughs> We, we basically, like, on, like, a Thursday or Wednesday, we're like, oh, we should play this game. And then, like, I started reading up on it. And I'm like, there are so many pieces. There are just so many minis. I'm like, oh, my God. There's usually minis plus pieces to me equals rules. And then yeah. the more rules means it's just going to take me forever to learn it. You know, I, I really like it when a game takes me about an hour. But mm-hmm. you push me past an hour and I'm just like, oh, man, I don't. I just start questioning, like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Like, my attention span just goes, like, right out the window, you know? Well, at least we played it online, so... Yeah, we didn't have to set up or punch out anything, right? Yeah. Which is a good thing about playing games online, which we'll talk about later. Which we'll talk about later. Yes. So, okay, so gun to your heads now. I don't know why I like throwing guns at everyone's heads, but what do you (laughs) think when you open a box with too few components? What's even this game? (laughs) (laughs) No, I just look at it like, well, it depends, right? Like, sometimes you just open a game and it's just a bunch of cards, Mm -hmm. right? They're like, okay, well, this game should be pretty easy to play. Some some games, you know, you look at, like, Monopoly or Clue or whatever has, like, some cards and some, like, player movers or whatever and a board. It, it, it all depends. Like, I'm not knocking games with a lot of components or whatever, but I, I'm somewhere, like, in the middle. Like, give me some stuff to play with, mm-hmm. but just make it easy for me to, to take it out and set it up and play. What are you thinking, Alex? So, uh, yeah, John's... Uh batting 500 here uh the insight yeah i for me i think it also depends on the literal size of the box if if there's a lot of empty space inside the box and only you know like two ultimately two bags of tokens then i start wondering i'm like okay am i missing stuff like do i need to contact the manufacturer you know what's going on and you know if if the if there's a lot of space in the box but not a whole lot of tokens I don't know. It, it kind of gets me worried that there's something missing. Oh, like, like it's too yeah. it's too easy. It's a trap. It's a tra- <laughs> <laughs> Alex brings up a, a good point there too. You know, when you have things with a lot of components in it, I don't know. I don't know what the the ratio of you know mistakes during production, but I feel like there's might be a higher risk of missing something in that in that right. And then I mean, most most companies are good with just sending you any missing or damaged pieces or stuff. Stuff like that, but then you gotta gotta go through the hassle of waiting for it. Like I remember when you lent me a Tiny Epic Mechs, and it was missing like a whole whole set of wooden pieces that were crucial to the game, and it took like fifteen weeks for it to come in. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? I'm just like now now do I even want to play this game? <laughs> Answers yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I so I think there, I think like hitting on what you what you two are saying is very interesting because if you have cards, it may not be a lot, but sometimes it could be a lot. Because, you know, if it's like magic, for instance, every card has new rules, right? So like magic, when you think about it, it's just a deck of cards. It seems simple, but the, you know, the depth of it is is, is huge. If I know it's a simple game and I open up and there's like too few components, you know, honestly, my main response is like, yes, yes, this is a free week. 
<laughs> I'm cruising, maybe 10 minutes learning this game. I'm like pumped up. So as a rules guy, as the rules guy, I get excited. To be honest with you, but once I see like if the cards have rules, as long as the as long as the card rules on the cards aren't like completely crazy, it's usually fine. You know, and it's interesting because it it occurs to me. I wonder if there's an intuitive, you know, player response basically that you know when you open up a box, can you intuitively, instinctively kind of know, okay. For what this game seems to be, how heavy the game seems to be, it feels like there's just the right amount of components inside this box. I wonder if there's a sweet spot in there where players would kind of intuitively pick up on, you know, okay, this this is doing exactly what it needs to do. I'd be very interested in that, actually. Yeah, me too. That'd be actually pretty cool. So, so what's our conclusion? How many how many pieces are too many? <laughs> um, ninety-seven. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go 98. We're gonna go one higher. You know, I'm gonna go lower. I'm gonna go like 50. <laughs> 50 is too many. I, my brain can't handle two, more than 50 at a time. Actually, my brain can't handle more than like one thing at a time. I'm I'm doomed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess a uh, general rule of thumb is if your game box explodes with tokens like a clown car, then maybe you've got too many tokens in there. Yeah, you know? Arkham Horror does that to me. That's how I feel about that game. <laughs> just like, there's so many tokens. What do I do with all this? <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that's a great conclusion. If your box explodes with a clown car amount of tokens, you've put too many in. Yeah. Totally agree. <laughs> Can't close the box. <laughs> cool. So we solved one problem. So let's move on to the next. We're just solving yeah. problems today. We're a good yeah. group of problem solvers, right? Fantastic. <laughs> All right, now that we've discussed everyone's favorite part of the board game, obviously the components, yeah, <laughs> let's discuss a hot topic of board games in 2020, solo game AI. So just in case everyone doesn't know, you know, there's a pandemic happening in 2020 and you're probably not gaming with a lot of people. Maybe you're gaming with one person. Maybe you're trying to learn the rules by yourself. I don't know. You're probably doing a lot solo. All right, so let's, let's just dive right in. So what is your favorite board game AI? Who wants to throw it out there? Go for it, John. Dare, dare. I got a couple. You know, I really enjoyed the AI in Dune Imperium, mm-hmm. especially when you're playing a solo, because it kind of acts as two characters, and they take up spaces on the board where you would collect resources and make the game harder. So that was kind of a cool album. And I think when I played a solo, it was kind of like blew my mind a little bit, because I normally don't like playing larger, I don't want to say that's like a large game, but a larger game like that by myself, because I, you know, I, you know, I hate reading rules. Mm-hmm. Most most people do. It's not just you. <laughs> it's probably like 90% of the gamers hate reading rules. Yeah, but it was cool because it was kind of like the one game where I sat and I read the rule book as I was playing and just tried to play it as best I could by myself. And I think I think it, that AI worked really well and it made me enjoy the game playing it solo a lot um, just because I, I, I like when the when the when the AI uh, challenges you. Mm-hmm. And it makes you strategize. Mm-hmm. It's random because you know you're drawing cards, and those cards tell you where the AI goes. And you're you could be they could be going on a spot that you're trying to go for, or pisses you off. And I I kind of liked it. But then they look at the flip side of that, where you let me root one time <laughs> to play solo, and I set it up, and I was like, I got no idea what's going on here. And most uh, people don't. I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> most people don't, which is beauty. So yeah, so some some AIs can just be overcomplicated. Mm-hmm which kind of ruins the experience for me. So, But I like playing Root with you and the AI because, A, you knew how to play the game. Right. But for, for so something like that, if you're trying to get into it by yourself, the Root AI. So so the Root, the root AI is like bit. playing a whole other person. 
so that that's what I found right. about it, and 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 it's interesting because it's good because it simulates a person, but it's bad because it's like a whole nother turn, right. right? So when I when I was playing with you, you know, I was playing my turn, which was maybe like five minutes, and then I was playing the game turn, which was five minutes, and then you play, you know what I mean? So I'm playing more. I'm actually playing the game more than you are yeah. <laughs> at that point. So. <laughs> What about you, Alex? What's your favorite? What have you played? Going off of what, what John said about Dune Imperium, actually, I had a question about Dune Imperium. So, so John, the AI in that, how much of it is proactive versus reactive to what players are doing? Uh, does the AI in there try to, I guess, perform any like area control and resource management? How does, how does all that work for that? that game? Oh, it's been about a month or two since I played it, but basically you set it up, and I think they take control of like kind of two characters in the game and you have a deck of cards that control the AI. So basically you flip the card and that tells you what area of the board they go to and then what re- I think what resources they collect or something like that. And basically they're, they're there just to take up space on the board, essentially, and then or add people to the conflict. I, I would say they're proactive to like if you're on a space, they will go to another space. Mm. So they are reactive. And I think they're pro proactive too, right, John? Because don't they like choose spice locations with the most resources? Because the resources get traded in for points, right? Am I, am I right? Right. Yeah. So there's like there's like an area on the board that has that accumulates melange spice. Spice. And when when you flip and go to that section, it, they go to the one with the most. So that's kind of cool that way. So it, it's pretty interesting, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But I, I have to play it again, kind of refresh my memory exactly like how it's played. It's like it's like playing another player, but the mo- the moves it's telling you to do are pretty specific, if I remember, if I remember correctly. Right, right. And then when you're playing solo, you're playing two against two, and they take right. they take the first turns too. But I think isn't isn't one game. of them one of them does turns, the other one is just kind of collecting resources or something. I didn't think one. Yeah, was, something like that. Yeah, so like one's a full character, the other one's like a half character, almost something around those lines. No, maybe they're both full. No, they're both full characters. Never mind, ignore me. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. So they and they take the first turn, so they take up space on the board before you can, which is which is annoying. Yeah, and then when you compare that to root. Um, have you ever played Root, Alex? I have not. It's on my two playlists, which has grown significantly over the past couple of years. <laughs> so, so Root's asymmetric. Basically, every character has its own play style. You know, honestly, the AI has its own play style too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so playing the AI is like playing a whole other character, basically. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, it's cool, but it also makes you have to learn more. Right, so you're like, oh, I'm gonna play the, you know, for instance, the a the robotic Eerie, and then you have to learn all about. The electric area, they're called. Sorry, you have to learn all about the electric area, how how they're played, and it's completely different. I mean, it's all on their board, but it's still like a whole different set of rules. Huh? It's basically like a, a Visio workflow diagram. Yeah. Right there in it, front it, of you. It is. Yeah, it really is, and it's actually interesting because they came out with and their second expansion, the River Folk. They came out with similar rules where they had a whole another player, and it actually wasn't as good. And then this thing called the Better Bot Project, which just was a group of people trying to make bots for Root, ended up taking that one and making better bots to play huh. against because the bot that they made was either too hard or too easy or the rules didn't make it. So it was really interesting. I'm like, oh, these people Damn. really love Root, and they're like, we need better solo action because to be honest with you it's easier to root if you're gonna learn root 
You need to learn it solo to explain to other people because if you're gonna sit in a session of people trying to learn the game, that's gonna be the long. It took us six hours, right, John? Was it like six Jeez. hours? Yeah. Because we we had to like I think I learned the rules. I didn't learn it properly, and we had to go over every single character. So like one round took forever. Damn. Yeah. So uh, maybe maybe six hours was a little exaggerated. Maybe it was four, but it was definitely long. You know the game. I know we took a pizza break. <laughs> we, we took like an hour pizza break where we're like, I don't, no one wants to go back. <laughs> but that was a long time ago. We we've gotten better since then. Like I we I love Root and I definitely love explaining it. But it's a lot of work, you know. It, it's interesting because the more complex an AI system becomes, you know, yes, the more you know, kind of quasi realistic, I guess that it is. But I also feel like it increases the the fiddly nature of of the game that it is working within. So my I think my approach to AI, because I was I was thinking about this past couple of minutes. I don't even know if I have a favorite board game AI. Mm-hmm. I feel like I more just enjoy like bits and pieces from certain games. And as I'm going through to my head, I'm realizing I much prefer these single sentence basically for an AI behavior. Like Gloomhaven, I, I love that they did like the, the monsters are lazy basically. So they're just going to try to focus on the human character closest to them. And now maybe it puts them into hazards on the stage but that simple just the monsters are lazy and they want the shortest path possible it it works really well Mm. in practice horrified i like a lot oh yeah that ai is pretty good yeah it's 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 simple i mean they have like rules to it but it's it's very simple you know yeah so yeah so simple simple is good simple with like a theme is really good yeah you know horrified you know you we've we've talked about it before where it seems like a weird oversight that they don't have a play of the monsters mode because I feel like people would love rocking out, you know, Dracula or the Wolfman and actually going after villagers. But, you know, the horrified AI was, was pretty good. I was really impressed with that. Special mentions, I think, would be what, Cutthroat Caverns, the initiative-based like targeting system. I feel like it helps keep the AI both consistent and varied, which I feel like that's a tough line to walk. You know, good AI is both predictable and challenging, and mm-hmm. sometimes you can't really get a decent balance between those two pillars. And so, yeah, which which is actually interesting because I think Root is challenging and predictable, which is really cool. So they actually really hit it on the spot. You know what I mean, with with that one, nice. so I really like that one, even though it's a lot of work. And let me tell you, I just really love when AI is so complicated; it's like playing a whole another player. <laughs> 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 let me just tell you that right now. It's like, oh, I just played a turn. I got to play like two whole more turns before I do something, you know, maybe measurements. Maybe I got to have like measurements and checks and like maybe a whole other side game. You know what? Just make it a whole other game. Just make it a whole other game I'm playing. Yeah. The AI mini game. Like (laughs) you have a first game and a sequel later on and an expansion pack in the middle. Yeah. And you you have to beat all of them before you go back to your turn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like you're like, oh man, I really love this game. This side AI game is crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so okay, so let, let's let's focus in on here. So yeah. when does an AI become too much for a player to handle? What do you what do you two think? 
I think when it just takes so long to play that AI's turn. Like, if it acts like a physical other player, and you've got, like, five different, you know, separate actions you need to consider when doing the AI's turn sequence or something. So so does that mean you feel like Root might be too much? Yes, that's where I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's interesting because Root Root's AI is really good, but at the same time, yeah, it yeah. could be a whole other turn, right? So you, have, you bring up a very good point. I like playing Root, and I like the game, and I feel like the AI needs to be how it is, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's what makes me not like the game right too, so because, because now it's like becoming something more more than a game right right you might as well just have another character in there but at the same time it allows you to learn the, how the game mechanics work so it, it is beneficial there's, there's a lot of like left and right thoughts on this right like it's there's no like obvious thing it's kind of crazy what about you alex what do you think yeah you know it it's hilarious because as we've been working on the four rings, real-time strategy card game for up to four players, kind of inspired by like Warcraft 2, you know, early 90s Blizzard strategy games. As I've been figuring out the player count, it was always two to four. And I've been trying to figure out how to do a proper like solo mode. But then I'm realizing, well, I'd have to come up with AI controlled, you know, behaviors for the rival orc clans. And I think to John's point and Matt, your point as well, for a game like this, a real-time strategy where you, you're, the AI would need to have routines built in for resource management, movement, combat, when they train a new unit, why they wouldn't train a new unit. I think at that point, yeah, like if, if the player has to take their turn and then basically take an entirely other turn following basically an entire paragraph worth of AI logic, mm-hmm. it seems to me that that's the time when you should realize hey maybe this is not a tabletop game this maybe this should be digital where we can handle all the ai on the back end yeah like i i think it actually really hits becoming an rpg at that point right like when i look at you know we played batman the animated series they actually had a mode where you could be the bad guy at that point i'm like yeah i kind of see the co-op mode because you're playing a whole you're you're just doing all these moves for these characters right at that Mm -hmm. point you're like oh i guess i should have just been the bad guy yeah or in an (laughs) rpg i might as well just have been a dungeon master (laughs) you know what i mean like i have the idea how these things should roll out because there's so many rules you know, yeah. you, you spend a whole lot of time doing that because the game is complicated. Because the logic behind how things occur, there has to be something for a solo mode, right? Yeah. You know, it, it makes sense. So, uh, yeah. So, so when does AI become too much for a player to handle? In my opinion, I think it's when, like John said, and like you're saying, there's too many complicated decisions in a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And the game is very complicated. I, and, and I guess the challenge is how do you simplify it? You know, I don't know. I have a couple examples written down of great AI, and a couple of them are like Ascension and Shards of Infinity, where the AI just automatically pulls two cards off the board and gets those points. But the problem with that game is that they're point-based games. So when they're point-based games, it's easy to just be like, oh, grab two cards, add it to your point pool. When it's a game of conquering spaces... Yep. <laughs> you know, how do you tell the AI you need to conquer these spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the Four Rings, uh, it occurred to me a while back that, well, maybe each clan has a unique personality depending on where they are on a, you know, on a square board kind of thing. But again, having to calculate rate of expansion for their own empire if they play aggressively or defensively, it's just, uh, it, it, it's, yeah. It's it's insane. Yeah, it's it's hard, right? It's, it's yeah, it is. Okay, oh. so what's the easiest AI everyone's used? 
been up against. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say like any of those games that were where you're playing like solo, you're just like doing your own thing. Yeah. Wingspan's kind of like that, I guess. It's an easy AI. I mean, Boss Monster, I think had. Oh, Boss Monster, yeah. Really easy. I mean, it, like because there was really nothing to the AI. It's just you know the heroes would go through the dungeon. Yeah, I think Boss Monster, maybe Castle Panic a little bit, even though Castle Panic has a couple of cool AI movement kind of things built into it through the, the tokens, you know, all monsters rotate clockwise, counterclockwise, whatever. But Castle Panic also has a pretty straightforward, simple AI. Oh, yeah. I agree with you there. What is that, John? I love that uh, I just like the... Yeah, it was cool. You know, you just kind of roll, see where the bad guys go, and and it's just it's very simple to execute yeah draw a piece and that, and that game's fun yeah the game is super yeah that is true that's actually yeah you know what that is a very you know this ai is very simple but that game is super fun so maybe maybe mm. simple ai is is something that you know you need you need to simplify so that it becomes less about the ai more about the game right yeah right so there you go what is what's the best ai the simplest <laughs> the one that gets you playing more right i i think that needs to be on the fkg merch site a shirt <laughs> prioritize the game not the ai you know yeah 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 and we'll have i don't know we'll have john shooting me with the firebolt or something <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah so one of my favorite ais and that's pretty simple is the game under falling skies where once you decide where you're going to put your dice onto your area that you control, whatever column you put the dice in, the ships in that column move down a space. Mm. But there's different actions that happen. So sometimes you'll hit an arrow, so the ship will move to the column either to its right or its left. You'll do a land on like a mothership icon, which brings like the mothership closer down once you get to like a... So it's actually pretty, pretty easy. Well, I'm going to press pause to quick sec. How long does it take you to do an AI move? Oh, a couple seconds. Yeah. And I think that, that <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's what you need, right? A couple. So there you go, Alex. I don't know how you're going to make it a couple seconds, <laughs> but you got to do it because that's how you got to figure it out. Yeah. You got to figure it out because getting people playing the game more than doing the AI, I think is huge. Yeah. And I, you know, and I honestly think it's a struggle of everybody. So I think that's super cool. That was it under falling skies. Right hits it so well maybe that's why it's such a good soul it's a solo game but maybe that's why it's such a good game like i'm looking at it right now and i'm totally loving the like space invaders <sighs> vibe oh yeah it's totally space invaders <laughs> <laughs> okay well sweet well let's pick your brain a little bit alex yeah. maybe this is a, a point where you can start telling us about everything that is copyrighted by you guys or maybe this is a time <laughs> to make it copyrighted but yeah. don't say it too quickly because john's actually writing everything down right now before you say okay. it to make sure we have it oh yeah, yeah. copyrighted before you yeah. that's okay right yeah of course yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> i can't believe you agreed to that sweet john <laughs> call the lawyers up speaking of copyrighted material <laughs> on a side on a side note our logo got stolen on Redbubble merch store the other day wow yeah, this was pretty funny just a heads up if you ever choose to go that route <laughs> i i considered it a fan really wanted our shirt <laughs> in europe if you're listening and you want a shirt that's awesome hey you know you contact us i'll i'll send one out to you if that's what you really wanted <laughs> <laughs> although i doubt anyone's listening <laughs> no people do listen but i doubt i doubt that person's listening he's probably so angry that we got his 
page taken down. So what's been inspiring you, Alex? What what games have you been playing 2020 since we last talked to you? You know, has it inspired the games you've been creating? Yeah, yeah. So funny you should ask that because you know the, the only social deduction games that i've ever really played would have been you know the resistance and coup i think oh those are those are two very i mean they're cla- they're actually classic games now yeah yeah right? <laughs> but they're very good examples of deduction yeah. social deduction most people have played those yeah you know it, it, this has never really been a genre that i've been super into but uh, recently my friends had me play one night ultimate werewolf you've never played one night ultimate werewolf never up until really? recently, never played it. It was it was never on my radar. Like the genre itself has never really been on my radar. Did you know that Werewolf was like released in the eighties or something? I've heard something to that effect. You yeah. must listen to our podcast. I, I think I might listen to it. You also. must listen to our podcast, man. We brought that up one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, then, Alex. Go ahead. You're, no, you're, no, you're, you you played that game. You're good. You're good. Yeah. So you know, going into it, wasn't really sure what to expect. Apart from like the usual, like, oh, well, you got to figure out, you know, who's evil and whatever, right? But a, a clicking point came when my wife and I like basically had to stifle the giggles after we we locked eyes the second time because we were both werewolves for two games in a row and it's like you know when when your significant other of 13 years is a werewolf with you you know the other team is going to have some problems right so i really like the the player versus player kind of mechanics in there i like the the abilities a lot there's a lot of really cool things going on in in this game so flash forward to the morning after and i kind of started brainstorming what a social deduction game from brick-a-rack games might be like Uh uh-oh uh yeah yeah Uh oh the 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 whiteboard is now diagrammed we'll put it that way (laughs) the the working title for this Let's just 28. be honest, Alex. You don't have a whiteboard. It's like written on the walls, possibly ceiling. <laughs> just little chicken scratches everywhere. You know, it looks like an insane asylum. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, obviously. We oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love you, too. So, yeah, the working title for this is 28 Days Ago. Three to 14 players. Catchphrase is, it's an outbreak of fun. <laughs> and so, basically... <laughs> hey, this sounds really familiar. John, do you... Do you... You've heard of an outbreak before? I've heard of an outbreak? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't been outside in over a year. What's going on? <laughs> oh, by yep. is that by choice? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. He's, he's a homebody. Uh, Sorry, keep yeah, going, Alex. No, yeah, this game is not ripped from the headlines whatsoever. And so basically what I'm looking at is, you know, there are like these roll tiles where there's like human on one side and infected on the other, and like not double sided but double ended. You just rotate it accordingly. And basically, you know, the one night werewolf kind of inspired me to throw it together a rough concept for a uh, social deduction game and once we have the time to actually pursue it i think it might it might turn out to be pretty decent cool can i can i give you can i give you a source of inspiration of course if you're going to go that route i highly suggest playing the game blood on the clock tower as well Mm -hmm. just because it takes it takes werewolf kind of to the next level okay where you know like in the townsfolk in where or whatever villagers in werewolf they don't really they don't do anything and in blood on the clock tower the townsfolk all have special abilities oh nice so everyone is always in the game and then even if 
someone dies, they still get they get a, what they call a dead vote, so they're still able to vote a second time in the voting phase. So something to look at. Look, look at. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. Their their tweak on the the villager character is nice. In, in the games that we played, we basically ignored the villager entirely because you know we didn't want somebody to just just sit on their hands and not have anything to do. That's super interesting right. because Blood and Clock Tower does the same thing, right? And you'll, you're going to hear from my lawyers soon about the game you're making. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. I'm sorry. We would ex- expect nothing less from you, Matt. Ouch. Anything else? That sounds cool. I'd be willing. I'd love to play that whenever that comes out got a couple of fun ideas for it you know the, the play area is built out of probably two and a half inch by two and a half inch chipboard tiles they make up the lab and you know if if two player tokens happen to find themselves in the same room during the infected phase and there's an infected in that room eyes are all shut infected then can you know rotate a roll tile for somebody in the same room so then the infection continues to spread. Rough concept. I'm, I'm intrigued uh, you know, to where it goes. And then hilariously, my wife and I played Skullcalo back in December. I've, not, I've, I've never played that. What's, what's that like? So it, it's an asymmetric 1v1 kind of game where one player are these little woodland creatures, basically. And the other player is a, a guardian, basically a colossus from Shadow of the Colossus. Ooh. And so the woodland creature player basically tries to get their uh, units on the colossus, scale up, kill specific points to bring the thing down. Very brilliant concept. Except, except. It, they stole it from Shadow of the Colossus. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, t- team Ico, you've now been immortalized into a into a board game without, you know, Realize Shadow of the Colossus team. My, I'll uh, send my lawyers. Don't worry. Don't worry, yeah, Team yeah. Ico. We're on this. We're on this. We, got you all, we got you guys covered. But the movement system in Skullcalo just really got in the way because there's a split card system where you can either play the move half of it or play like the action card uh, half of it. I enjoyed the game way more than my wife did. I don't think she'll ever play it again, which is really, really bumbled a couple of times, and, and she's she has no interest in it. Why? Why didn't she like it? Just real quick, like do you? Um, I think the main reason she didn't like it was she felt like it was it was way tougher to get her units into position and then capitalize on that position to attack or, or perform an action. Okay. I, I think she felt like she was going through her cards in her hand way too fast. And so, you know, it, it's a bummer that she'll likely never play it with me. But of course, you know, being the person that I am, I kind of redesigned the movement system in Skullcalo, decoupled it from the split card system, retooled the action cards themselves to kind of better balance out between melee, ranged, leap, and healing. And, you know, you give the Foxen player three movement points, they can spend that however they want. They can move one unit three spaces, whatever. Right. Guardian player has one because they're a big hulking mass. And ironically, I kind of end up borrowing parts of the Black Bricks original move one, play two action system. It was interesting, you know, for Skullcalo to have so many really cool things going on for it, but then the movement to just get in the way of, you know, the action attack melee system that it kind of just pushed me to house rule it up completely, I guess, and you know, just streamline parts of the gameplay. And sweet. Uh, that that has been a big part of what I've been messing around with. A little our thoughts folder now on the company share. 
No, that's a super cool. Like hearing about your thoughts on that. I mean, I'll be obviously excited when if you ever make a, a prototype or something. I think that'd be really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, De- but, definitely you know. cool to like check out. I would just say it was Skulk Hollow. Is that the name of the game? Yeah. Yeah, definitely cool to check that out and then check out your game and see like the differences. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, I, I think the the top game that I well, two top games really that that really grabbed my attention in, in a big way has been Horrified by Prospero Hall. Very good game. Yeah, like I, and the theme and the art direction, the atmosphere, it's so like they, they nailed they, they the, hit everything in that game and mm-hmm. they made it simple that like you know maybe eight-year-olds and above could play it right yeah i think like they just really hit that out of the park i feel like it's not as popular because it's more seen as a halloween game but man is it good yeah it, it's really fantastic and hilariously the the one of the times that we played it uh <laughs> Was when we had a, a an almost tornado rolling through the oh, area, a massive geez. thunderstorm. So power was out, thun, you know, thunderstorm raging outside, and here we are huddled up together with like you know camp lights lighting up, <laughs> horrified, you know, right here. So very just thematically completely perfect, where the game and the weather kind of just all you know synced up perfectly, and then unmatched. Oh, unmatched. Oh, my. You were on our stream, weren't you? I think you came came by. Man, that is such a good game. That is such a good game. And it's, I feel like, I feel like it didn't, when we was at Gen Con 2019, they kind of hyped it up a bit. And like, I don't think it got as much love as it did more recently as they started on on creating more characters, right? And and really, I think I remember playing with John and me and John played it. We're just like, remember we looked at each other, John, in the eyes and we're like, dude, this is really good. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I looked looked lovingly into your eyes. Oh, Oh, yeah. Killed you. (laughs) (laughs) John, no! Sweet. No, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to bring to the table and definitely want to, I definitely want to see what you do with those inspirations. So that would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. So on, on that note, what have you been trying, have you been using simulator platforms to try and develop your games during the pandemic of 2020? Have you been trying to go that direction? I know like, you know, when I, when I met you, it's almost like a year and a half ago or a year and yeah. four months or something. Wow. That's crazy. We were doing a demo live, right? So you've yeah. obviously had to like change that sort of direction. Have you, have you been delving into those platforms at all? Yeah. Yeah. I have been uh, messing around on Tabletopia. I don't think we have anything public yet and rightfully so because we're still figuring out like components and, you know, tokens and general trackers and whatever but doing a free digital playtest demo of the four rings on tabletopia is on the active project list sweet we would love to have you on the show when oh you, yeah when you get that done we could do a live stream of that oh that'd be glorious sure. yeah. yeah get three of us and emotional cyborg maybe to yeah she might jump in on it. emotional cyborg might be like the like permanent special guest <laughs> from oh, yeah. games. She's, <laughs> she really she, she really roots for us so which is awesome yeah she's glorious but so yeah you know the, the free uh digital playtest demo it's not gonna be fancy you know we're gonna placeholder art for every thing the iconography and all i do have a feeling that like unit building and damage tracking might evolve a little bit well, well hold, on, hold on i'm gonna back you i'm gonna back you up a quick sec do you think do you yeah, think yeah. the simulation is gonna help you deliver your game to more people like do you think oh, it's yeah, gonna be better that. for you in the future like how do you think it's gonna help you compared to like yeah. when 2019 when we we're hanging out at pax unplugged yeah so uh, you know obviously you know hanging out in person for for tabletop games that is the <laughs> primary desired kind of way to do it but within this industry, we've all ha- kind of had to reinvent the wheel 
so to speak. Jim Fitzpatrick, creator of Mission Planet Hex, has been absolutely fantastic in that regard. It's almost like he anticipated the pandemic happening because, boom, he had the digital platforms you know, ready and waiting. And I've been following everything he's been doing on there. It's been fantastic. I hope Jim's listening right now because I remember him saying it was all his partner in crime, Zach. I think, <laughs> who kind of got him forwarding on that. So he has, right, Jim? He, he said yes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he definitely hit that digital space running, man. He got, so, and he, and he was excited because he got so many people more to demo his game. Yeah. Right? And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, I think you'll benefit from that too. And coming in the future, I think that that's going to be a very typical way developer or like publishers and stuff are going to go forward with their games. They're going to develop for these systems so they can get more people to play easier yeah within like you know tabletopia because you know we've we've chatted about token movement and management side of it where because the rotation on tabletopia for a token is stuck at like 180 (laughs) 60 and like 90 degrees it it doesn't really allow for the granular kind of control that you would need for like castle panic basically so that the monster health spots you know kind of line up how they're supposed to and so because i'm an applications guy apparently i've now figured out on tabletopia how to get our tokens aligned correctly no matter what wait a minute wait what do you mean you're an applications guy apparently (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is this is going back in my it career Oh, okay (laughs) basically if you put a piece of software in front of me i tend to be able to figure it out enough to where i can bend it and break it you're a power user you're a power user yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and, and and tabletopia so for four rings, I'm I'm flirting with the idea of like tracking unit health on the actual tokens. Just rotate them a certain amount so that the the new health icon lines up with the actual like tracker line on the actual cards, the land cards. And yeah, I managed to figure out a way to actually align the tokens to begin with so that when you hit 90 degrees, it actually rotates the character health on the token to where it needs to be on each of these land cards to actually track the health. Right. So hopefully we'll be able to stick with that. You know, I, I guess that comes from kind of designing a demo with the restrictions and limitations of a platform in mind so so like so for you being you know indie game designer you're trying to get this platform ready what what is the most annoying part about this platform like what is the hardest thing that you you have to do to try and you know get it all created i think the ui actually okay the ui and then some of the graphic design size image requirements throw me off a little tiny bit you mean like you have to have specific file sizes and stuff Well, file sizes, but more like image sizes, exactly like, you know, pixel count and everything. Oh, Um, really? They don't don't just crop it and like... No, it's... it's, I'm a developer here. I feel like you could just take your picture and be like, snip, snip, (laughs) you know, center, boom, you know, you screwed it up, not us. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 there's probably an option in there, but the UI with Tabletopia on the on the back end for like the actual creation development side is very weird. And so, you know, when all is said and done, once we get the four rings up and running as a digital version, I think it'll all be fine. It's just figuring out how to massage certain 
parts of the technical process to oh, do okay. what we want. Okay, it's it's the limitations of the of the software you're trying to get to work with your game, basically. Okay, but ultimately, you know, I, I I do have a good feeling about going digital with this platform. Awesome. Four Rings will be a good test for the entire endeavor, and because it's a free playable demo, hopefully, you know, expectations will be kind of kept in check like hey usually you know the the rough and dirty prototype version that you're going to be playing here usually this is our like first and second ring you know right. play testing you know internally this is a little bit giving people a view of how the sausage is made in in this crazy covid kind of world you know if that's what we have to do in order to get our product in front of eyeballs and you know getting people to to play it and test it out and give us feedback because we can't do anything in person absolutely we're going to totally jump into that and yeah. have some fun with it. And, and, I, and I think, and John, you could cut me off if you think I'm wrong here, but I, I think moving these games to Tabletopia, Tabletop Simulator are almost mandatory now with everyone kind of working remotely with, through a pandemic. But I think after it's still going to be that way because it allows content creators like myself and John to play these games where we don't live where they're being developed, right? Like we yeah. don't live in New York. Right. We don't live in California. So we still get to play these games. They don't have to send it to us. We could just play it on Tabletop Simulator. Right, John? Shh, don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> we need games, everybody. <laughs> no, it's been good because like, it's given us the opportunity to have creators and or developers on our live stream, on our Twitch stream, which we haven't done yet but tomorrow's our first one but if you're listening to this right now that's two weeks ago right. so maybe it went really well maybe it didn't yeah, <laughs> yeah. but i think that that's kind of a cool aspect to it because working remotely and trying to content create has been a challenge uh, especially because we were in lockdown so this is like a, an awesome alternative to play games with you still even though i couldn't physically be in the same room as you and giving us a little bit of a different outlet to play test and try out games so i'm actually really looking forward to the couple that we have coming up on our live streams the next couple weeks we actually have so i think i think that's really cool on a so. cool note we actually have well two have just gone by and we should have two more at least coming we just invited alex for another one so that's three more at least coming <laughs> so like you know i i feel like it's it's gonna be very helpful to get those games out there that people have never played right to be seen before they're actually released which is pretty cool so gains a little bit of hype on them let people know what's up you guys recently booked with john manker i think from from ion oh you saw that oh man i was hoping people yeah. saw that yeah, yeah yeah we did we did which was really cool that is the one two weeks ago and hopefully it works out <laughs> hopefully, awesome does anyone have a time machine <laughs> did it work out anyone oh marty hold on <laughs> uh, wow <laughs> All right, well, I'm, I'm going to conclude this podcast here. So just as a little recap, you know, how many components are too many? 98. <laughs> <laughs> the, second, the second thing was how, how quick should your board game AI be? Five seconds. <laughs> wow, you, were, you get an A plus, John. And is simulator platforms, like, worth it for designers? No. <laughs> no they, they are they are they are 100 cool yeah so anyway so thank you very much alex for coming on the show with us we had a blast as always i hope you had fun oh, yeah. i know Absolutely. i know we're not the most serious interviewers but i hope, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoy that i mean y- y- y'all are not rocking out tuxedos so how do you know my I, camera's not on i mean i i assume i <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, yeah, at, at some point. You. Oh, yeah. oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. <laughs> some, clo- some clothes on, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, what do you mean? This is how <laughs> nice I always ink, roll. Though. It's COVID. I can wear whatever I want. Yeah. Naked, COVID chic. <laughs> yeah. With this, this adult diaper isn't what I'm supposed <laughs> to be wearing right now? I don't know. It might depend. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> all right alex so just one last shout out tell everyone where they can uh, find you and and where they can buy your games yeah absolutely uh you can buy the black brick at gamecrafter.com if you search for black brick on there it'll come up you can find brick and brack games on instagram facebook and twitter we have the most fun on instagram we do have a link tree page now set up which has all those links and more i guess if you search link tree for brick a brack games you'll find it there that's b-r-i-c dash a dash brack right b-r-a-c-k brick is in like an actual brick to build a home with b-r-i-c-k a b-r-a-c there you go uh, games you know hopefully people will check out our our blog that we haven't updated in <laughs> a while uh, it, it, the the whole blog will give you a really neat like how we started kind of uh kind of look and i'm gonna so, go comment on it right now you should i would <laughs> I, I would hope that you would and so yeah you know game crafter black brick for sale now and this year like i said at the top of the, the podcast hopefully we'll be announcing agents of evil to be available for purchase later this year and then you know four rings is is cranking in the background and it's gonna be a good time awesome thanks a lot thank you yeah thanks alex absolutely john it's always a pleasure all right if you like what you hear don't forget to follow us on all our social medias instagram at friday night games underscore official twitch and twitter at friday night gms and on our website friday night.games if you like our podcast don't forget to leave us a review on apple Podcasts and follow us on your favorite streaming platform do you have a game you'd like us to check out or do you have your own game you'd like us to preview on our channels shoot us an email at info at friday night dot games and as always it's friday night let's have some fun